Uh, we could not celebrate his death unless he had come. And I'm sure glad he came. But let's don't get lost in wrapping paper and ribbon. Let's keep our minds on the one who we're celebrating. And he has made the reason for my life's existence what it is. And I know he has yours also. Look with me at one verse. I'll just take one and read it to you out of Luke 2, verses 25 to 35. But let me see if I can uh, find the verse that I'm looking for, and then we'll just read one. Um, yeah, here it is, verse number 28. The context here is about a man by the name of Simeon. Simeon was a man that was waiting on the consolation of Israel, or the Holy Spirit had promised him he would not die until he seen the Lord's Christ. The Holy Spirit of God led him uh, when Jesus was born to the place where he was birthed. Now, I take up in verse 28. Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, thou lettest thou thy servant depart in peace. And he's talking about dying. He said, it's all right for me to step out now. He said, according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. I want to go back to verse 28. Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God. I want to preach on this subject for just a moment. We won't be long. The man who held God in his arms. The man who held God in his arms. His name is Simeon. And I want to make this proposition to you. Every person in this room who holds Jesus in their life will have some evidences that he's there. And there are three of them in this story. I'm going to give you, when we finish this service this morning, you ought to be able to say, Do I possess these evidences that the, that the presence of God is real to me? The man who held God. Think about it. In his arms. A God big enough... Sit down, have a seat. A God big enough... To, to, to create the solar system is little enough to be held and small enough to be held in the arms of a human being that he created. And what a blessing to know that he is Emmanuel, God with us. That's what Evelyn was saying this morning. God among us. God entwined with us, God present with us. The man who held God in his arms teaches us that every one of us, if we possess him, if we have him in our possession and he possesses us, there's three things that I want you to see as evidences. Evidence number one your eyes will be open. 
Their eyes will be open. Notice what it says in verse 30 and 31. He said, it's all right for me to depart now. I have seen the Lord's Christ. He says in verse 30, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Ladies and gentlemen, I suggest to you today, everybody in here who has Jesus Christ as a possession in your heart and He possesses you in His purpose for your life, your eyes have been delightfully opened. The Bible says in verse uh, number 31 that every man has Him before their face. That's what He's saying. Everybody can see Him. Everybody has the opportunity to see Him. But only those who hold Him. Only those who wait on Him. Oh, Lord. Only those who believe and trust that they shall see Him. The Bible says are going to have their eyes open. May I say something to you? One of the greatest eye openers if not the greatest eye-opening experience in your life is when God opens your eyes and lets you see that you're as lost as you can be. You're undone without Christ. You're unattached to eternal life without Jesus. But He lets you see it enough to do something about it. He says, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. But all people don't change. All people don't see. But old Simeon said, Ah, my eyes have seen the salvation of God. I'd like to stop long enough, praise God, to get a little Pentecostal this morning. I'd like to get a little beside myself for just a minute. And so I sure am glad God didn't over a glimpse. I'm glad God didn't have to show me what He showed me, but He came along in my blind state and opened up my eyes that I might see the glory of God. I tell you, that ought to make a Presbyterian do some iron. Hallelujah. First of all, anybody who possesses the Lord Jesus and holds Him has had their eyes open. They see they don't need no no, no mixed-up eggnog for Christmas. They've seen that there's more to it than shopping. They've seen there's more to it than just uh, a date on a, on a calendar that they can be off to do as they please and party and play the fool. I mean, when you had your eyes open and seen the salvation of God, it just simply means that He's close even cradled in your heart. <laughs> Thomas, the difference between you and a lost man now is that God opened your eyes even in a barred cell down yonder in a judicial system. You folks was put in there for a crime, but you was put in there for a change. God didn't put you in there to leave you. God put you in there to change you. I want to bless his name. He's an eye-opener. I'm glad God opened my eyes to my state. 
God opened my eyes to my stupidity. God opened my eyes uh, to my situation and my circumstances. And I am glad that when Jesus said, you're lost, I said, what do I need that you wouldn't tell me if you didn't have some reason and some result? What can I do? He said, you come to me and possess me and get close to me and I'll open your eyes. Everybody, verse 31, everybody has the potential before their face, but their eyes aren't open. The other day, I was with Steve in here. We were doing something. And I said, Brother, have you seen my glasses? And he looked at me. And he said, You got them on. I said, God, I'm blind. He said, they're on your face. He said, I grabbed them. I said, well, I've been looking for them for 15 minutes. I've been looking for them for 15 minutes. He said, well, I can't do nothing but tell you. They're on your nose. They're right there in front of your But the truth of the matter is, when your eyes are not open to the fact of the object, and you cannot see the object in order that you might utilize the object to make a decision and to have movement, listen, it is vitally important that you see that Jesus wants to be as close to you and as useful to you as my glasses is to my vision, but they can be on your nose. And you're not knowing. <laughs> we start looking for something at home. Uh, we have a little thing, Diane, and I've got a little uh, conversation we have. I'm the loser. She's the finder. I can lose more stuff than you got. <laughs> I mean, I'm just glad. I, I, I'm just thanking God I can come home with both my shoes. And, and I mean, I can lose it out. And, and when we go to looking for it, I'll say, and, and, and I just got one of them personalities that's agitated, and, 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 and I get mad at myself. I, I do. I, I get put out. I, 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 I lost my teeth every day, Steve, my parcel. Yeah, I did. I, I hate it when that happens. And, and if the neighbors had had their windows up, I hollered, Diane, where's my teeth? She said, try them out. I just got them not long ago, and they're bothering me, and, they, and, and, and I have to take them out. And they, they've been all over town, and I've lost them. <laughs> she and I was out eating the other night, and I went in to get my money to pay the bill, and I pulled out, and there was my teeth in my hand. The lady said, she said, uh, that'll be, uh, I didn't even see them. <laughs> <clears throat> Diane says, come on, let's get in the car, Daddy. I hate it. Come on, Grandpa. <laughs> Bob Gray told me a story one time at ja down at Jacksonville. He said he went soul winning with a brand new convert. Convert was nervous. He was the same boy that he went... Um, he went so when he lived, and they was talking to a man about the Lord, and the man smoked, and he pulled out the cigarettes. He said, y'all have one? And Bob's convert said, believe the will. 
got it. No boy hit him with the zippo and he just lit up, man. He said, wonderful. Let's throw so, so one stuff. Free cigarettes. Same guy. He's teaching him, you see. He's, he's teaching him. He said they was out one night pitch dark. I mean down yonder somewhere in Florida in the dark. And Brother Gray handed the convert a light. A flashlight. And he he, he said, throw that light right over there on that mailbox. He said, <laughs> Brother Gray said, no! <laughs> Very important that we recognize our eyes get open when we see the Lord. The next thing I want you to see, look with me if you will please, at the second thing uh, that uh, happens in, in verse number 32 and 33. Enlightenment and enlightenment that is obvious. Eyes that are open. Now, if you possess the Lord, your eyes have been up. How many of you know more about morality and what the Bible expects out of you and what the Holy Spirit expects out of you now than you did before you were saved? I, I thought everybody lived like the devil. I thought everybody got drunk at Christmas and any other time that they could find something to drink. I didn't know. I had no idea right and wrong. I didn't care. It didn't bother me because I thought I was playing with the crowd and I was just doing what the crowd done. I mean, I thought everybody in America was under some kind of Christian flag and when we all died, we just sort of went somewhere and waited around to find out what degree of punishment we might get for a little while. Some slapped on the wrist, some popped on the hand and and, and, and others maybe held out a little longer than, than someone else. But I had no idea how it was. And when I got saved, pop. I mean, I left work on Friday cussing and went back Monday testifying. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's eye-opening. And that's what happens to somebody who possesses this man called Jesus. <laughs> if you're saying... Should I get drunk at Christmas or not? No eyes in the open. Should I marry this lost person or not? No eyes on nothing. Uh, should I should I take this job as a bouncer in this strip club? All times. No eyes on nothing. And if you if you if you ain't a good bouncer, both of them gonna be closed. <laughs> God opens our eyes. And number two. There's an enlightenment that is obvious. Notice what he said. That this baby is a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And, and Joseph and his mother, uh, the baby's mother, Jesus, uh, marveled at those things which were spoken of him. The second thing that happens is he becomes a light. Now, when he saves us, he opens our eyes. But what do we see? We see the light that lightens the heart of every man. The Bible says in Psalm 119, for he is a, a light unto our path, and a, there it is, that word is a lamp unto our feet, and a light unto our path. When we get our eyes open to who Jesus is, and we start conceiving how powerful what he says is, all of a sudden God starts letting us see the divine will of God, and the divine purpose 
purpose of God. And we're not walking in the dark. We're not walking out yonder somewhere with a question. But we're walking in the light of the Lord Jesus. And God can take a nobody and make a somebody out of him. Because he's seen the salvation of the Lord. <laughs> I feel so... I've been Christmas, January, second Sunday in January, 30 years ago, I held the first service this church ever had. And I feel so uniquely inadequate. Every time I preach in this pulpit, I wonder when the real pastor will show up and I'll have to sit down. I ain't supposed to be doing this. You, 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 you don't understand. You don't believe. I believe that either. You think, well, that's just full of material. No, honest to goodness. I don't. I feel so uniquely uh, out of place when I'm doing what I'm doing. I mean, look at the people here this morning. Look at this crowd. There's better than I ever thought about being, much less could be. There's better out there. I mean, education, better philosophy, better faithfulness. Better people, better women, got better genes, got better past, got better of it. It's better. And look, God has lightened the path that nothing, a nobody, and an absolute zero can walk in the light of that simple path. And look what the Lord can do with you. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely, positively mind-boggling to me. Psalm 56, 13. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, wilt thou not deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living Thank God I, I look at these preacher brethren. Uh, Ohio, Virginia, Ohio, uh, Calpin, Alabama, uh, Tennessee, and right here at home, Coleman, Alabama, Athens, Georgia, and West Virginia, brothers, and Brunswick, Georgia, and right here at home, all, all these guys. I mean, just not long ago, you're sitting out there saying, God, what do you want me to do? Yeah. The world is saying, God, what do you want me to do? I, I, I don't know what's next. I don't know how to get it going. Well, thank God you don't have to. You just need to possess this one called Jesus. And if you hold in your arms this one... You have in your experience, you have in your experience the divine plan of God that will unfold if you'll walk in the nature of God. I can't imagine what would have happened to me if He hadn't let me hold Him. I was destined to prison. That's why I love Thomas. Thomas, 
there's a light that enlightens your life when Christ comes in. And I don't care what a lawyer tells you, and I don't care what a judge says, the high sheriff of heaven is still in control of Augusta. You trust him. He didn't save you to leave you alone. He didn't save you and give you life eternal to forget you. I don't know what he's got planned, but whatever it is, it'll be the light that enlightens your path. I'm going to tell you this. You may think less of my leadership. I never have had a clue what we do next. I never have had one positive, know it, uh, absolutely concrete. I know some of these guys said the Lord showed up in their room and told them, if I ever see anybody in my room and it ain't Diane, I'll be in Mexico by morning. I'm spooky. I ain't seen no nine foot tall Jesus on I-20 telling me what to do and where to go. Some have. I mean, I ain't going to stand up and tell you, God, call me, let's go. Unless he did. But I have with weak knees and feeble hands walked in the light that I have. And I have followed the leadership of a good God. And I want to tell you this by faith. He is going to lead us where he wants us to end up. And he's going to take us where we're supposed to be. And it's not going to be on my promise to you, or my word to you, but it's going to be walking in the light of a God who said, let me hold you. And you hold me. Take me and I'll take you where you ought to be. Somebody give him praise and glory. Lastly, let me show you lastly. Eyes are open when a man holds God in his arms. Number two, enlightenment is obvious. Enlightenment is obvious. Number three, experience. There's an experience that is oppressive or, what was the thing he said, Steve, opposed. An experience that opposes. Now I want to show you something. Look with me at the verse at verse number uh, thirty-four. Simeon blessed him. Now listen this close and said unto Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. And this son is for a sign which shall be spoken against. Notice what he said about Mary. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also. And it happened on the cross. That the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. In other words, now watch this and I'm done. I quit. When, when God allows you to embrace your son, and that's what I'm going to ask many of you to do from the mission from down the street, from families and homes all over the CSRA here this morning, and out of town. When you embrace God in your arms and in your heart, number one, you're going to have an eye-opening experience. It'll shock you how right you can get. It scared me 
when I quit cussing, it scared me. I thought, what power? I mean, how can you how can you lose your vocabulary on Friday and learn a new language by Monday? Oh, eye popping, eye opening. God told it. Now you say, well, preacher, I slipped up. Uh, well, I'm not I'm not talking about slipping up. I'm talking about doing it with no conscience. Ain't nobody perfect, but I want to tell you this: a perfect God will open some eyes to the imperfections that He's taken out of you. I'm standing here this morning. Be one in this church that the devil has plenty of material behind me to bring up. But because God opened my eyes to truth and righteousness, I don't have to worry about what's behind me. Eyes are open. Second of all, my path has been enlightened by the perfect will of God. And God is leading and guiding by the Spirit of His own grace and power. You can't miss your mate. You can't miss your vocation. You can't miss what God wants you to do if you're holding close. And the third thing that happens is people will oppose you. And there'll be opposition. There will be opposition. I want to take you, if I can, to some verses. Put them on the screen, son, if you will, and I'll read them. And, 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 and quit. Notice what it says in Matthew 10, 32 and 30 to 37. Uh, whosoever, now I want you to listen to this. Everybody, just look right over here. Whosoever shall confess me before men this morning, Thomas, God called your name. Jesus called your name out to God the Father. I got Bible for it. It says, whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. Before men this morning, you stood in that pool and said, I take Jesus as my Savior. Jesus looked over at the Father and said, Thomas has come home. That's what that verse said. You confess him before men, he confesses you before the Father. But wait a minute. Before you get elated to the point of celebration, Notice what it says. But whosoever shall deny me before men, who says, I don't want my hair wet. Who says, you ain't going to catch me down there getting embarrassed in front of all those people. That is straight out, straight up, denial. If he's done something for you and you will not let anybody know it publicly, it's denial. I didn't write it. Don't look at me. I'm just reading it. You want the Bible preaching, you just sort of got one. Notice what it says. Whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. Notice the next one. Think not that I am coming to the world to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a soul. He said, I came into the earth bearing good news. I came bringing, I came being. He didn't bring peace. He is peace. I can testify he gives peace because he is peace. But notice what he said. I've come to bring the sword. What is he saying? He's a mean-spirited warrior? Oh, no. He said, I came and, and people who respond to me correctly is going to find a sword that's going to divide them from other people. Notice what he said. 
For I am come to set a man at variance against his father. And the daughter against the mama. And a daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. That's King James That's Bible. If you embrace Jesus, your own house, they'll think you're crazy. They'll use you. They'll abuse you. They'll cheat. They'll lie to you. And they'll hang you out the dry. And it'll all be on the premise of you're a goody two-shoes. It's not like they are. Guilt makes people, makes people turn against other people who are not guilty. I was on the phone last night with Ed McAbee. He calls me every Saturday night. I call him. He called me. I called him last night. It was my turn. I called him at 8.30. I said, what are you doing? And he said, not much, son. This old war horse has been in it 55, 56 years. I can always tell when he's down. I, I, do, I, I know what to do to get him up. You can just start talking about an outline or talking about an altar call or talking about anything that happened in the house of God and he'll be Pentecostal and rubbing in in five minutes. Now, I couldn't get him up last night. I said, tell me what's going on. He said, my old boy came to town this week and didn't come and see us. His boy is 47. He's an Episcopal preacher that broke Ed's heart. And because Ed wouldn't change and give up on his conviction, boy cut him off from his grandbabies, his daughter-in-law, and his wife. He came to town to see his wife's people. Go by the church. He didn't even stop. His wife, some of his wife's family told Brother Ed and Becky he was in town. From Colorado. I said, Ed, what can you make of it? Who quoted me those verses? He said, I have embraced, and this is where I got this sermon. He said, I have embraced a God too powerful. The truth was, he said, I must be with him and be rejected rather than to conform and be received. I see you, son. I'm more of a, of, a, of a son to him than his own children. And I praise God if I don't learn nothing. Today, as of today, I don't know about tomorrow, but today, I've learned it'll cost you to hold. He is. 
stay in. Let me have you get out of your seat and come and say, I so I'm glad God let me hold him and hold him close. How many of you would get out of your seat and come right now as Christians and you'd say, thank God my eyes were open and I saw the light of God's love. Thank God there is a light that lights the heart of every child of God. There is a, there is a will, there is a purpose, there is a plan for every 